Welcome to Living Water Radio. How do we best share the good news that God became flesh, that Jesus was born for all humanity with the growing numbers of people who know nothing of Christmas except Santa Claus, starting with what we believe in common or starting with confrontation? The answer, as they say, might surprise you. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. We had some rain last night and some thunder boomers where we are. We had a little break and then the rain started again. Streams of living water. We need it. Some of us have been praying for it. So I guess the message is, be careful what you pray for. This time of year reminds me of one of my favorite online videos. It shows an office with dozens of people working. A TV monitor is on the wall for breaking news when suddenly the screen turns red. Stormwatch, Southern California. An announcer comes on screen and, trying to disguise the panic in his voice, says, One half of an inch of rain is expected throughout Southern California today. The whole office is thrown into chaos. People are running in circles, raiding the snack cupboard for survival food, hiding under their desks, cowering in the corner in the fetal position, when an announcer comes back on and says, just a minute, just, uh, no, no, it looks like the storm is going to avoid us. It's going to be another beautiful day in Southern California. The office workers come out of their holes, laugh in relief, and return to their work. Just then, their whole building is shaken, violently, earthquake. The workers barely notice or just shrug, laugh, and go back to their work. That's life in Southern California. That's kind of our approach to the coronavirus, too. There are significant numbers of people who panic over the restrictions that are in place for their safety and ignore the real threat that is right in front of them. More and more groups of people are getting the coronavirus vaccine, and by the middle of next year or so, we should be approaching herd immunity. More and more people seem to be willing to ignore all the safety recommendations, and our hospitals are now at a bursting point. When the consequences of that behavior over the Christmas and New Year holidays hit, It's going to get ugly. I wonder if the anti-vaxxers, the conspiracy theorists, and those who believe that the number of coronavirus cases is vastly exaggerated have ever seen the state of our hospitals. The number of people being treated for nothing else but actual cases of COVID-19 is an objective fact. It is draining our healthcare system, particularly our healthcare workers. It is not a pretty sight but one would think that seeing it would lead people to change their behavior simply for the sake of others. We treat Christmas in the same way. We are uncomfortable with the reality of the Christmas story, so we make it into something that is more pastel. Much of popular Christmas imagery depicts the silence of the birth of Christ. I guess that is to engender a sense of awe at the meaning of the event itself. 
Sanitizing the story also makes it more palatable for non-believers to absorb and for business interests to use to sell things. But those things don't have much to do with the event itself. I shared a description of the event itself last time. Today I'd like to consider why it's hard to share the Christmas story with others in any meaningful way and what we can do about it. In the Gospel of John, the first chapter, starting at the first verse, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory is of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the word made flesh. The Gospel of John was written for a world other than the biblical world of which Jesus was the fulfillment. John was written for people who never heard of Adam and Eve or Moses or David or Elijah. It was written to a Gentile audience, a Greek audience. In that world, the natural state of things was chaos, a Greek word that also came into the English language. Onto this natural chaos, logos, that is, order or reason or the word or all these things bound up together, had been imposed. Order was everything to the Greeks. It was how they saw the essential character of civilization, how we got along with one another for everyone's benefit. It was how they measured beauty by pleasing proportions, a standard still dominant in the cultures of the Western world. John began his gospel at this point of commonality with the Greeks, but not to accommodate them. In fact, it may well have come across as confrontational. That is to say that the good news of Jesus Christ is that God had become human flesh. The Word was Jesus Christ, God. This idea was a difficult hurdle for the Greeks, as they had many gods, and they believed that their God's interaction with human beings was primarily to make mischief. It was offensive to them to think that a god would be born to serve, much less die on a cross. It was foolishness. John proclaimed that the word had become flesh, that is, meat. This was another problem. The Greeks believed that the body was bad. It was just a body, a temporary housing for what was truly important, a soul. Christians believe that the body is an interconnected part of the whole self, body, mind, and spirit, that God created the body, that what we do with our bodies is our spiritual worship, and in the resurrection of the body. Christians believe in the incarnation. 
See those letters in the middle, C-A-R-N? It is the same root as carne, as in chili con carne, chili with meat. God became meat, human flesh, and dwelt among us. John found a point where Christians and non-Christians could agree. And then he kind of cut into their faces with the word became flesh and lived among us. Nevertheless, most of our art depicts a quiet, tranquil scene. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph posed serenely with clean, fluffy animals around them, all cooing at the baby Jesus. Our Christmas hymns contain lyrics like, The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Or, Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. The Christmas I read about in the Bible doesn't sound like this at all. It sounds like a story of God born into rejection, laid in a trough filled with animal feed, filled with the smell of yesterday's animal feed. Have you had a baby? Have you seen a birth? It may be beautiful to you, now anyway, but no one would say it was pretty. It's filled with pain and cries and fluid and blood and body parts. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that if the incarnation means what I think it means, it means that Jesus did what babies do, cry. And it means that there were diapers involved. I remember a painting by 15th century artist Hieronymus Bosch showing Joseph drying clean diapers next to a fire. That's the incarnation. I don't think that this reduces Jesus to a human level, unless that's all we choose to see. The message of faith is that God was fully human and fully divine, both at the same time. That's the central mystery of Christmas, not mystery in the sense of something to be solved, but a mystery in the sense that God cannot be apprehended by human beings except to the extent that God reveals God's self. The biggest challenge of Christmas is that Jesus is God. The Greeks, the non-believers, were deeply offended by this whole picture. We are now on the fourth day of the twelfth day of Christmas, in the Christmas season. When someone asks you, what did you do for Christmas? You might answer by saying that you heard a Christmas story that was kind of disturbing, but that meant a lot to you. It's still time to talk about Christmas. Not about Christmas traditions, not about Christmas customs, but about Christmas. Those may not be always comfortable conversations, any more than the Christmas story is a comfortable story to tell. How, for example, do you think Joseph's friends responded when he told them that, no, he wasn't the father of Mary's baby? Joseph and Mary were betrothed, a state in between engagement and marriage, but he knew it wasn't his baby. It was a miracle. God was the father. How do you think those friends responded? How about the story that Mary had been raped by a Roman soldier that has been told from time to time, which seems more credible to most people then and now? How do we tell that story without confronting the powers that deny God? I don't think we do. I don't think it's possible. Today, it is not the cross that seems foolish to the wise of this world, but the idea of belief itself. It seems irrational to believe in something because your parents believed, or you grew up in a certain geographic area. It seems random and not unlike the claims of many other religions who also claim to be true. We empathize. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's not myths, 
but a historical reality. It's not doctrine, but the work of the Holy Spirit, active and present, pointing us to what is doctrine. But still, it's like looking at a stained glass window from the outside. It's just a blob of blown glass. Look at it on the inside and you see its colors, its shapes, and its meaning. The difference is the light. Jesus is the light of the world. The darkness has not overcome it. Jesus has overcome the darkness. Our faith is their indictment. It is a rebuke to the idea that the only things that exist are the things that can be measured. It is a rebuke to those who, when they don't live according to their values, change not their behavior, but change their values. Christmas is not just good news to the world. It is a rebuke to the world, to sin, to everything that defies God, the one true living God who can't be described or explained and doesn't need to be. It's been said that the best way to defend God is to get out of God's way. Any proposed deity who can be explained by its creation isn't a deity, but an invention. Instead, God did the difficult and the foolish. God became human flesh. Christmas is not a story about how we came to God, but about how God came to us in the flesh. I'd say 12 days is at least the number required to try unsuccessfully to absorb all of this and to celebrate it. We too have a birth story, a new birth story, a born-again story. We may have been saved from addiction or a life of crime and given eternal life. We may have been born in the church, raised in a Christian home, and been baptized at an early age. We may have been released from a destructive job, friends who did not have our best interests in their hearts, and bad influences all around us. Being born again is messy. Being pulled away from that which is killing us, mocking us, damning us, is not easy. Being pulled away from old friends and toward real friends is not easy. Giving up lucrative practices that diminish people is not easy. But person after person for thousands of years have said that it's the best thing that ever happened to them. Maybe that's the best place to point people this Christmas. To Jesus. Christmas is still good news for all humankind. God became a child incarnate to redeem us and our sin by giving up that life for us, to make us his children, God's children. Today, let's remember to pray for those struggling for racial equality and for those who protect and serve. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal, and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses, and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. 
when you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.